welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Well, good morning, folks. <laughs> I'm Stan, and I am a sexaholic. Uh, it's really great to be with you all this morning, and I just want to um, make sure that you understand that everything I say here is purely my own uh hope, strength, and experience. I am not making recommendations for anybody to follow, more like an illustration of what I hope you'll develop uh, the tools that you all will use uh, to conquer our traditional enemies of resentment, anger, fear, deprivement, and so forth and so on. Uh, Nevertheless, you might want to take notes if you have a pen and paper. I do have an ego. So I'm hoping very seriously to keep it within one half hour so that some people at least have a chance to share. And I'll uh, give you my phone number at the end so that anyone who wishes to chat or has questions can feel free to do that. Okay. Uh, Yes. I am fairly uh, along in years. I've been been acting out for over half a century. Uh, one month after my first wedding, and um, uh, it went worse from there. First affairs, and then, of course, anonymous sex and pornography, and all of the usual progression downward. That's one of the main reasons I've chosen to stay with SA. I experimented with the other sex groups, uh, sex recovery groups, and found that I could not stay sober. I needed, uh, for my personality, a clear and bottom line. Uh, I'm slightly obsessive, compulsive, and that has its advantages in business, but not so much in personal relationships. So uh, I started um, 11 years ago in SA. I uh, spent the first eight years trying to get sober, quite frankly, worked through the steps with a couple of sponsors, and still I acted out. And I thought to myself, good heavens, what's wrong with me or what's wrong with the program? That was 11 years ago, and I'm blessed and grateful to say that I've been sober now. All of a sudden, beginning February the 11th in the year 2015, why did that happen? Good question. Um, Frankly and embarrassingly, uh, my wife got me found out one more time, in this case, going into the darker uh, pornography sites, violence and the like images. And it made me realize that the resentments and anger that I have trouble accessing and relating to were so buried deeply uh, that they could only come out in this fantasizing, dangerous kind of shot across the bow way. So it alerted me. And I thought to myself, you know, I think I've been focusing on the wrong thing. The White Book, as you all know, uh, says that if I keep focusing on don't act out, don't do this, no, 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 I'm going to fail. And I thought to myself, maybe that makes sense because I'm an addict. If I'm an addict, I can't manage it personally. 
all by myself. I can't even manage it with the group or the literature. Maybe, maybe I ought to pay attention to what is causing that symptom of acting out, which is to say I never developed a good way to kind of be in touch with my lack of self-worth. I wasn't a good husband, but I also didn't think I was a good lover. Uh, my wives were not pleased, shall we say, uh, and I blamed myself, of course. And then uh, fear, fear of being found out, because I never wanted to quit. I just wanted to get away with it for years and decades, uh, at least, as I say, until I went into the program finally. So I thought to myself, if I start tackling and develop the practices that I've been using um, to share with you, uh, the practices that have allowed me or slogans or mental construct to deal with these negative feelings, uh, God willing, I'll be sober. And that seems to be what has happened uh, these now three, almost three and a quarter years ago. Ah, oh, that's a lot. And I realized that my acting out was really trying to be my friend. It was protecting me from all these awful feelings. It was not even letting me see them. It was giving me escape, and it was pleasurable. Otherwise, I wouldn't have kept doing it. But eventually, like, like many friends, we grow out of them. I grow out of it. And in fact, they're negative. Uh, they do badly for me. I can't relate to them anymore. So that analogy helped me realize that I've you know, got to develop these other practices, uh, and that's essentially what I've been doing. So what are the practices that I've been using to, to kind of deal with these feelings? Um, in no particular order, I, I really like the phrase, I'd rather be happy than right, especially if I know I'm right. You know, it's not worth the trouble to, for me to prove myself right when the other person, say my wife, is bound and determined in her feelings. Uh, it doesn't make sense because it never works. That's probably the reason. You know, it should work naturally. But that's, that's, I need to deal with the fact that life isn't fair. Fair is sort of, you know, uh, a little kid feeling. Uh, the key thing is to feel good and let go what doesn't feel good. That's what I need and try to keep at the front of my mind. Uh, it also helps, and I believe this is true, that when my wife is angry and she's, you know, in my face and saying to me, you asshole, hell, my God, what are you, da, 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 it occurs to me that I'm, if I'm upset by that and I take it, I take it as critical, I'm sensitive, you know, that way. It's like looking in a mirror. She's often saying things that I secretly think about myself. I'm impatient. I'm lazy. I'm forgetful. I'm not being caring. But I don't want to recognize that. Uh, so I put it back on her. And it's, it's always the second word that starts the argument. So I'm trying my best to not just say anything at all. Although I do like the magic phrase, I can understand how you feel. I like that phrase because it doesn't mean I agree with you, but it does soften the atmosphere. And then if I'm smart enough, which is rare, as my friends would tell you, uh, to simply shut up and be quiet, usually, if not almost always, things change. It goes away. At that point, the person that's angry at me, if it were my business colleague or a customer, 
it helps me to remember that at that moment, they're going through pain. They're going through some struggle that I know nothing about. They're emotionally about six years old again, just like I would be and was. Or I remember my kids when they were young. They'd yell, and Daddy, I don't love you anymore. You know, did I take it seriously? No. But put a few decades on them, and if they say the same thing, I take it seriously. I found that interesting, you know? It doesn't make logical sense, or, but it made emotional sense, and so naturally I felt criticized. I'd rather just let it pass. If I really feel seriously about an issue that hasn't been settled, you know what? I'm not going to die today. I can bring it up tomorrow. Or so I tell myself in my head. It's those things I tell myself that allow me to feel softer, gentler, and I know that that's what's crucial to keeping me from physical sobriety. I mean, keeping me on physical sobriety. And that kind of made sense. Another practice I uh, do is to sort of uh, uh, image, to not feel that... um, you know, I, I don't have to rush. For example, when I'm cut off in traffic, every now and then somebody's going to cut me off, you know, do some dangerous thing, race ahead. The initial prick is, you you, you dummy. <laughs> Pardon my French. Um, but then, you know, immediately I think three things. One, thank you, God, for not letting him hit me. And number two, hey, thank you for... Uh, not hitting, I don't see him hitting anyone else. Please keep him safe. And three, it reminded me of when my mother, years ago, I was 14, she took poison. It was either accidental or not. In those days, people didn't talk much about it. But I remember her racing me to the hospital, 15 minutes, breaking every red light. Um, and I think to myself, when that happens to me and I see someone else doing something dangerous, Who knows? Maybe their kid is in the hospital. Maybe there's an emergency. Dear God, take care of that. Now, by the time I've gone through all this mental gymnastics, the bottom line is I don't feel road rage anymore. And that's a victory. Every time I get a little victory, I feel good. I like to think of that as sort of like a pop quiz. Yesterday, for instance, I was sitting at the uh, uh, checkout counter in in the local price choppers, and the gal ahead of me had about 50 or 60 of those little receipt coupons. I was anxious to get home. I had finished a nice meeting, and uh, the, the checkout girl was new, so she took her time with each and every slip. So I felt an immediate prick of impatience. I mean, you know, those feelings are natural. But then I immediately thought to myself, aha, another pop quiz from higher power. Okay, said I to myself, this is whether or not I have patience. So I turned and smiled gently to the person behind me so that it felt like we were in it together. But it helped me feel, gee, another victor. I don't have to get upset, you know. That's optional. In fact, that's all I have some power over my reactions. I can't control other people's thoughts or actions. It took me the program to realize that. I don't care how close they are or how powerfully I argue. It's, it's not working. And I don't even have power over my reactions quite often, frankly, at least not quickly, not quickly, ideally. But, you know, that's okay. I'm allowed to make mistakes. 
but the idea would be to just lose that ability to have to try to solve every other problem. I find a lot of things take care of themselves if I just shut my mouth, which eventually, if you're lucky, I will do, <laughs> and let things take care of themselves. I find out that, you know, I make a lot of mistakes, and it helps me to realize that it's like being a torpedo. I want to be a torpedo. You know why? Because torpedoes, when they're fired at a target, they're almost always off course. They're always making mistakes. But a little gyroscope inside kind of corrects them every second or so, or more often, or whatever. And they never say to themselves, I'm a bad torpedo. I'm making mistakes. It just adjusts itself automatically. That's my goal, is to kind of adjust myself automatically as much as possible, realizing that I'll never stop making mistakes. They're inevitable. And so I might as well relax and find out if I can learn something from them. You know, it's like making movies. They make all kinds of takes. All the mistakes, because they take retakes. It occurs to me that my job is to take retakes in life as much as necessary, with as little emotional involvement or grinding on myself or blaming myself as possible. Uh, again, these are just practices that run through my mind when things happen, uh, and that allows me to kind of relieve the negative feelings as quickly as I can, because when my emotions are feeling good, when I feel, gee, I was really handled that better, I feel victory. And it's my emotions that are kind of like a, a compass to what I believe is God's will. God's will for me, personally, just speaking for me, is to have fun, to be happy, to be relaxed, to feel safe. Safe. Yeah, that's a good one. I want to feel safe, and I want to feel uh, trusted. So I, I, if you will, image this higher power. I call it God. It doesn't really matter whether he exists or not. It only matters if he works. And what I find is when I think about God, this is another one of my practices, um, it helps me realize I'm never alone. I've always got the ability to sort of be quiet, breathe, and wait for a nudge, a sort of internal uh, guide, little, how about trying this or that or something like that. And it's a very quiet voice. I have to shut up to hear it. Hence the challenge. But when I do, when I can just sit and breathe, for example, um, I don't do this as much as I would like because I forget. At least I think that's the reason. But when I get to a red light, I have to stop the car. I have to stop everything. It's a good time for me to breathe and just wait. Good practice, you know, just a little pop quiz, as it were, and to feel better about that because. Uh, I don't need a lot of faith that God is in charge and is ultimately going to bring a good practice and a good result out of things. Um, the other day, I thought to myself, you know, this this thing, this book they call the Bible, um, talks about faith the size of a mustard seed, and I can move mountains. You know, I thought to myself, what's a mustard seed look like? I'd never actually seen one, so I went to the grocery store, as I mentioned to Dennis before the meeting, and I bought package of mustard seeds. It's incredible how little they are. I put one on a little sticky note and wrote the Matthew quotation down and stuck it on my wall. I'd like to, you know, sort of remind myself, I don't have to have perfect faith. 
In fact, the other day I, I was in a meeting, and I, I, I don't know if anyone was offended, but I said, you know, I can't solve the mysteries of God and all the evils of the world and all of the volcanoes and floods and reasons that I could easily say, gee, there is no God. He tends to work, let's say, 60% of the time. I'll just go 60. And I thought to myself, if I knew there was a casino game in Las Vegas that promised 60% odds in favor of the player, I'd back up the truck and take as much money out there as fast as possible. You know, it's sort of like I bet on God because he works more often than he doesn't, and there's really no other better source for me than to kind of pay attention to the things he's saying uh, in the various metaphors and stories uh, about trust uh, and and waiting and uh, basically paying attention to what's already going right. That's another one of my practices that we talk about I, in our meetings locally here. I, I should always say I, not we. Um, I'm grateful... <laughs> I was very grateful this morning because a nice thing really happened for me, 76 years old. I woke up. Not everybody wakes up, for God's sake. I had a cat nearby to pet. I love that. Um, my bed's warm. The weather looks good, at least here in Albany, New York. Uh, hot coffee and breakfast and my favorite book that I'm reading now, which, by the way, is by Steven Pinker. He's written a wonderful book called Enlightenment Now. It's eighth on the list. And he is a strange character, but very briefly, he details how much less violence there is in the world, how much more health, less starvation, more clean water, and not just over centuries, even over the last couple of decades. Uh, it it it's a good counter for me who I tend to be a bit of a too much of a news addict and I get so close to the negative news there hardly being anything else uh, is, is that it's, it's, it's toxic and, and I, I need to be more careful of it. Uh, many things I need to, to do better, uh, but it's a good offset. There's a couple of favorite websites that I turn to when I want to hear good news. Um, the best one, in my opinion, is humanprogress.org. Um, and um, I also enjoy listening to Joel Osteen. I like to sign into the Good News Huffington Post, Answers in the Heart, the Daily Meditations for Sex Addicts. The one thing that I've found that really does work for me, because I'm a porn addict, or I would be, is I needed a good filter plus a filter guardian to make it irrevocable. I chose Covenant Eyes, but there's other good ones, both on my phone and my computer. The key thing was the appointment of one of my friends, program friends, as guardian, because that made my choices irrevocable. And unfortunately, I'm not a tech geek, so I have never been tempted to try to get around it. It would be embarrassing, after all this time, for him to discover that I was trying to access unhappy sites. So for me, that was a basic principle, and I needed it because I'm just a kid, you know. I'm, I'm an addict. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to keep to our time frame. I think we're in good shape. Um, and um, let's see. Uh, you know, when I'm feeling a, a deprived or attacked, uh, 
I do, I, sometimes I'll growl at God. I love what our Step Into Action book has to say in Step 11, how to pray and how to listen, which is meditation, how to listen. I wish I were a better listener. Uh, it's, it's one of these things that I'm told is a very difficult thing to do because I'm always ready with my answer before the other person has stopped speaking. Uh, but step 11 allows me to treat God as not only in a divine power, ruler of the universe and all, but also as a buddy, as a friend, like, like a family member riding next to me in the car in the bucket seat or the next seat or however. Um, it allows me to be able to just talk to him without having to get down on my knees with my hands to heaven or go in front of a church altar. Uh, I want him to be close, and I've found that that can be done uh, if and when I remember to do it. I try to also act as if. If I'm not feeling well, if I'm not feeling like I want to go into a meeting, the act as if principle. You know, we, we say that a lot, fake it till you make it, I think was the old phrase. Um, I think it's important for me, for me, to go in there with a smile. I've rarely, you know, a lot of folks don't smile, um, especially people in program meetings. I don't know why. I mean, they'll greet each other, and then I'll see a smile. But the idea of smiling, breathing deeply, uh, it's on my voicemail. You'll hear it if you call. Um, just imaging, hey, I'm feeling better. Even if I don't feel better, I want to say the words. If I speak the words, they begin to see the action. And that's another principle I have. I truly believe, as the program says, that whatever I focus on, whatever I'm ruminating about, talking about, whatever I'm thinking of over and over, whether for good or ill, is going to come to pass sooner or later. In other words, my words, my mind, tends to bring into my perception reality, you know, that I hadn't noticed. I'll bring in more negativity if I'm stuck in that, or I'll bring in more positively, more things I can think of to be grateful for. You know, like, uh, well, I'm relatively healthy. I've got spinal stenosis and an arthritic knee, but, you know, I can still walk. So what? I get the fun of walking with a cane and looking distinguished, or at least so I fancy. Uh, whatever is necessary to, tr to, to work to feel good as much as possible, because I believe that's what God's will is. So it may be not that complicated for me to figure it out. If I'm feeling bad, I'm not doing his will, so I'd better figure out why I'm feeling bad. You know, taking somebody too seriously, da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, I don't mean to be repetitive, but again, uh, I'm, I'm just sharing what has worked uh, up for me. And I'm very blessed uh, so far. I realize it's only one day at a time. And I look at people who have been in meetings for years and have then lapsed, and it's scary. But even then, I would simply, I hope, I pray, that I would simply get back on the horse and start all over again. Patience plus persistence just about wins over any, any possible uh, roadblock or um, problem or difficulty because they don't just come to pass, they come to pass, you know, it's like everything comes in and then eventually it goes out. It's sort of the pattern of the whole universe um, and it helps me to remember that all I have to do is wait and trust 
and in the meantime, do something nice for myself. Have a good meal or go to sleep, you know. Uh, so I, uh, those are the things, at least, that have worked for me. Let me see. Um, have I covered pretty much everything? Uh, yeah, by golly. Um, I feel like I ought to at least give people a break. Um, again, uh, if anyone wants to chat with me, uh, we're doing a recording of this, so you can hear the whole thing again, but my telephone number, and I don't mind if you call, I don't think there are hundreds and hundreds on the line, is 845-518-9094. And my name is Stan. Uh, Always look forward to share and learning something from somebody else, you know, as to what works for you. I I always can use new tools and... um, Uh, Let's see. I think that just about does it. So, Dennis, again, uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, share here, and um, I look forward to uh, more meetings. And thank you. Okay, so my phone number, folks, is 845-518-9094. Uh, and I appreciate you all uh, listening. Uh, I know you got all that done at least, and the tape recording will probably have all of the most important stuff anyway, or frankly, God wouldn't have cut it off. You know, he's working behind the scenes all the time. It's very subtle, and it helps me to think so. So again, Dennis, thank you so much, for the, and Brooks, the invitation to, to share. Uh, and um, that's about it. All right. Thank you, Stan, and we appreciate you, Stan, in Albany, New York. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.